Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello everyone, sorry, Baz and Toffee TV just come in and just fucking dropped absolute nonsense bombshells <laughs> in the room and then walked off. Um, apparently Liverpool are shite, uh, yeah, funny that. Um, they only had 10 men, Chris. I mean, oh, not like Liverpool. We, I've got no experience of seeing Liverpool play with 10 men this season. I mean, good with it. They were, It suited them to go down to 10 literally, men anyway. Yeah, literally. Best thing that ever happened to Sean Dyche. Uh, right, Paul Waiting, Chris Page, Chloe Boxing, Dan Club, and probably when he comes back from the toilet, Barry Cass, um, to talk uh, on this week's Red Men Originals podcast about the Merseyside derby. Uh, and then we're going to do some bits and pieces around that in part two as well. Um, but yes, Chris, another day, another derby, another brand new way of breaking Evertonian hearts. That's what Merseyside derbies are for, right? Yeah, well, I was lucky enough to sit next to your dad during the game and he turns around straight after the Canate thing. I was like, they'll be talking about that for 20 years. <laughs> and I was laughing my head off because I know that Baz has already written it down somewhere. In fact, someone might be getting tattooed with it in there right now. The you big, never know. The big book of Everton injustices. <laughs> I was absolutely fine there was nothing wrong with VAR the referee was awful excellent strong officiating um, finally that's not the fair like my brother said this to me yesterday he's like VAR I'm like actually VAR got everything right yeah yeah. They actually did in the game. The referee yeah. made a terrible decision not yeah, to send yeah. Canate, but that's not the VAR. Mm. They can't, even when they're having a go, they get they, they have a go with the wrong thing because they're angry. Yeah. It's glorious. And just to clarify, this whole replay thing, like, ha, 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 it's a funny joke. It's a bit like the B-sharps thing. If it gets less funny, the more you hear it. Mm. Um, like, it's not the same. These two, th- <laughs> these two things are not... Anyway, whatever. Um but my daughter does this though, like, you know, she she wants to be like the class clown and stuff like that. So she'll choke on her food and we'll laugh. And then she'll try and choke on her food. It's like, it's not funny the second time, Lara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To cry for help. <laughs> 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 or she doesn't like the, or it's, it's an anti protest against your food. Stop trying to choke on your food. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, ultimately, boss, you know, I, I don't know how it doesn't really compete because it's not up there with Curtis Jones winners or, you know, Shakiri goals or, you know, Christ. Divock Origi. Um, but 
it's just lovely beating them and we never seem to do it in a truly straightforward way and I'll be honest they are crying about that Canati thing we'll come on to that but I like the, I, I like the fact that there's always a new thing that they've got to be upset about now Jordan Pickford talking about like the, the officiating how you always get the decisions shut up Jordan Pickford you beaut um, it's just I, I, it makes it more enjoyable for me it does and it's, it's always going to make it more enjoyable isn't it something had to make that game enjoyable didn't it because it wasn't it wasn't a spectacle as such was it um, it was a bit of a difficult watch I don't think Liverpool really got out of second gear I don't think Liverpool really needed to get out of second gear and you know as you mentioned sort of a little bit earlier Sean Dice would probably he could hang his hat on that sending off it's something to go and get the team around and try and you know get them together to go and you know prove everybody wrong and all that type of stuff but as far as the game was going we were well the better side anyway I thought it made it harder for us to go on and get the victory when they went down to 10 men but ultimately we did our job that's four home wins out of four games in the Premier League so far this season you know, two goals conceded, I think it is. That's that's a good start to the season for us. And we're making Anfield a fortress again on the sly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Chloe, I want to talk about your pre-match nerves. Um, you weren't in a good place when we were driving to Anfield. Or when we were walking to Anfield. <laughs> or walking when we were having Anfield, a drink when, before the game hmm, started. When you got into Anfield. At what point did those nerves... Was it a score in the penalty? When they put Michael Keane on the pitch, I thought... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know what, lads? Five at the back is actually a really great decision. But when you're having to bring on Michael Keane to do that, it almost contradicts how good of a decision it is. Uh, as soon as I saw him step on the pitch, I knew he was going to do something. And he decided to play basketball in the box, gave us a penalty. Uh, and that was wonderful for me. I did... Being truthful though, it was when we got the second goal and I finally didn't feel ill. Um, <laughs> because I was like, at around 60, it, it wasn't nerves, it was disappointment. It was a case of like, they've been down to 10 men here for this long were much better than that absolutely crap anything but three points is is awful and then when we went one nil up it was we've actually got something to lose here let me worry about that as well <laughs> so the, the worry just changed um and he did absolutely not an all game and I, I their twitter i'm so proud of of the lads today what i don't know what of i don't know what you saw that made you proud because i could not imagine having to watch them week in week out and if, try and support them they were horrific if you ever want to know what like gaslighting is it's Evertonians taking positives from their football matches is <laughs> being told that there's some heroic purpose behind everything that they're suffering um, yeah uh, Dan it, yeah all, all, all that has been discussed so far um, it was I mean, like I'm saying to Chloe on the, on the walk, you know, you were saying it's cold and I'm nervous and I said it's quite mild and it's Everton <laughs> um, so you know, yes, it was a bit more of a problem. It was harder work than I think we would have liked. I agree. I think the 10-men thing actually did play into their hands because it meant they didn't have to try and make a game of it. Yeah. Um, and that probably made it, therefore, harder for us to break it down. But I don't know about you. I never I never felt like we weren't going to win that game. No, not necessarily. I was a bit with Chloe in sort of the morning. You always get that sort of derby belly because it does mean a little bit more. Albeit Everton, they're a terrible side. We're a very good side. If it was any other sort of mid to lower table Premier League team at Anfield, regardless of the kickoff time, we just expect it to be quite a straightforward win. But derby factor and the fact that they'd love nothing more than to take something, anything from us, does sort of add to it a little bit and add to those sort of those pre-match nerves and anxiety 
whatever. But yeah, overall, it was relatively straightforward. Never really felt like with any danger of losing the game necessarily. Obviously, the one big chance early doors with Calvert Living, which he might expect to do better with. Like that sort of. As a moment in time for Everton and Sean Dice, they'll look back at that and go, if we just get that, because all of a sudden then they put all men behind the ball earlier than they do anyway, and you never know how the game pans out there. But my sort of overriding feeling from the entire game was that going out to 10 men was a blessing in disguise for them. Yeah. Because every time they attacked us and we nicked the yeah. ball back, we were just red arrows time at them. And it felt like a matter of time before we took the lead via a counter-attack because it was four on three numerous times. And a couple of times we get the pass wrong or the wrong decision or... Or the weight or whatever it may be and there's one moment we get it right and actually Young gets back and we felt wow he's still on the pitch makes a brilliant last ditch tackles and I so it felt like whilst Everton felt like they could get something there was a game on and the minute they didn't they just shut up shop and went well look we're going to make it hard for you and that suited them and went against us really you know the, the, the thing with that I, I was watching obviously I had a really nice vantage point up at Kenny for the game and those counter attacks that you were talking about they tended to come from corners yeah. and I thought it was a really interesting sort of tactic from Dice because it kind of said to me he threw everybody forwards and the, the last man was ahead of the centre circle wasn't it and it was inviting us to do the counter attack and it, it never changed actually when it went down to 10 men but thinking back after the game I was like why did he continue to do that I, and I came to the conclusion that he only thought he could score goals from set yeah. pieces mm. and whether it was 10 men or 11 men he was going to throw as many bodies in the box as possible because that was their best chance of scoring goals against us but also their biggest weakness for the game and everything else in between I thought they defended pretty well to yeah, be honest with you I thought they were solid about it and stuff like that but that Diaz chance came from one of them didn't it mm -hmm. but and, and I don't know I didn't watch the play ratings after the game or listen to it but Alison Becker made a massive difference in those situations because he was so dominant from corners and from free kicks and like he had that one save from Calvert-Lewin didn't he but how many times did he stop a corner going into the box and like they were having a man on him and they were all over him and stuff and I was like that's why he's the best in the world because not only can he make those saves but he's taken all the stress out of their best situations and I just thought that was wicked yes no I think that's right there was one where he a flap has become a bit of a generic term for when a goalkeeper doesn't get a total punch to the halfway line on it, but he got he, he palms it away, doesn't mm. he? At the back post, but other than that, you know, they and they were doing everything in their power to upset him. There was what like, they were putting Branthwaite on his toes. They were trying to disrupt everything he did, and he just handled it brilliantly. And this is the thing. They did nothing. And again, I'm sure when they're doing, they're going through their things, they'll point to, well, we went down to 10 men and then it was difficult. And it was, but it's because their manager chose to play five at the back from then on. He got to half time and he took their two creative outlets off and put a centre back and a right and a right back on effectively. And then, and again, comparing Liverpool and Everton's not right because they're, they're at different levels, but I, it's just wish they were leagues apart. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I have said this before. I don't care. I, I'd, I'd happily be, it would be one place apart in the league as long as it's first to second. That doesn't bother me. But they, um, they, 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 Dice Ball went, came out in full flow because they didn't have any hopes of getting anything out of that football match. And his, his entire hopes were pinned on old school British manager, keep it tight, keep it to within a goal. And it's only one separate piece away from us nicking something, a heroic point or, or whatever from this. So I'm glad that it, it totally caved. And I'm glad ultimately when I mean, they took Michalenko off who was having a really good game <laughs> and then ultimately we scored, you know, off, off the back of it. So yeah, it basically fucking serves him, serves him right for being so shit. But it, they, they did nothing all game long and even that like the Calvert-Lewin one, that's a chance. But I mean, I'm no expert on the XG stuff, but like headers are not 
having a header in from that position is not the same as having a chance at your feet from that kind of thing. It's nowhere near as big a, as big a chance He'd have as expected a header to than do him, better. Though. He'd have expected mm. to do better with that. It was the cross wasn't strong enough. It made it difficult yeah. for him. Yeah. You know, it's one of them where you can get power on a header, can't you? But where, where Van Dijk, I think it was Van Dijk was, it made it difficult for him to get power on it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and ultimately, everything they did in an attacking sense came from something we fucked up. And in that instance, it was McAllister giving the ball away, wasn't it? And putting us under pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's speak about the Ashley Young red first, Chloe. I mean, it's the first time Liverpool have had a player sent off via two yellow cards for eight years. Eight years. Just to clarify, I'm, I'm not, that, that's not made up, by the way, for anyone watching or listening or wants something to talk about with the mates who suppose mm-hmm. on the football teams. The last player to be sent off via the medium of two yellow cards against Liverpool was Sadio Mane for Southampton, um, which I find mad for the start. Because um, in my memory, I think Everton get a player sent off that way every time we play them at Anfield, but apparently not. Um, what did you make of it? Because for me, neither of those look like anything other than yellow cards. He didn't argue. He he like he, he didn't argue. I was looking at the commotion that was going on around the referee and only then did I realise that Ashley Young was halfway down the, the tunnel. Like he didn't argue, he'd got off. The first one he's just he's been done uh, and, and wiped him out and he's he's taken the yellow. The second one was a bit mad because from where we were, we were, it was obviously the other end, so the cop couldn't really see it well. We all thought it was a foul, but because the ball had went out for the what you'd assume a corner if he got his toe on it there was like screams for it but the referee was so delayed with it and once he gave the foul there was just it's got to be a yellow then it's got to be a yellow then he's literally going into into the box if he doesn't make that tackle Um, and the referee gives himself time to think about it eventually does give the second yellow Ashley Young doesn't argue about any of it um, and Luis Diaz with the ball like uh, quite a couple of those counter attacks in the first half with the ball Luis Diaz's first touch wasn't good it was awful actually and sometimes he messed up but he changed the game because he got a red card for them and also I mean he, he could have had a penalty um, but he, he changed the game with just being really fast and really quick with his with his brain, um, and yeah, to clear red guard, it's 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 a two yellows, a red, and I know we're gonna get onto Canate, so I'm not gonna say what I think about hmm. that, um, but yeah, I, I don't get why, I, I haven't heard anyone argue over it. Diaz set him up as well because a couple of minutes early, he cuts inside and whips a ball in, mm. and then two minutes later, he goes around the outside. He and, kicked and the ball away as well. Ashley yeah, kicked yeah. the ball away five minutes before, didn't get a yellow card when everyone was screaming for it. So he had it coming. He was, I mean, he's their most experienced player on the pitch. He's. Doesn't mean he's good though. Seven years. Yeah, he's, like that. Just, he's been doing a he's been doing a very bang average job for a very long time. I, honestly, I, in fact, we did it in the preview. We, we, I did it in the pre match preview with Baz, the upper preview, and he was saying like, um, or he mentioned like you know, James Milner, and I was like, yeah, James Milner and Ashley Young again. These are not the same things. They might be the same age, but like Ashley Young was was what like eking out his career in Serie A. And I know, look, I know, Chris, I know you're like the biggest Serie A superfan going, but it's fucking shite. It's a shite I league of football. I absolutely was <laughs> 25 years ago. <laughs> I don't think it's fair to keep saying that I am now. I, you want nobody, to snorting defence of this through the week. watches Serie A. Yeah, nobody cares about Serie A. It's rubbish. But it basically, he was eking out his career in Serie A when James Milner was putting down like, I think all I said was Milan could League. do a job and I think Milan got the draw yeah. that week. 
Yeah. To be fair. Yeah, you went on a staunch defence of the quality of Napoli uh, and therefore therefore defending the whole quality of Serie A. It's a garbage league and Ashley Young was garbage when he played in it. And now he's, I mean, again, he's a, he's a, he was a winger, 10 midfielder, 10 fullback. Again, James Milner trajectory. 10 bird shit catcher. But, but like, <laughs> he's garbage. Um, absolutely. But again, Dan, like, they need cooler heads to prevail in those kind of circumstances. Yeah. He's stupid. He gets the booking. I mean, look, it's so. It's just. It's. It's. I, I think we can blend this in with the Canate chat. I think because I think Canates are just plain old, dead simple, run of the mill. Just stop your opponent getting away. They are cynical, but they're not dangerous. They're not. They're not violent moves. The Ashley Young first one is that is it's similar to that, but he leaves his entire leg in. Yeah. You know what I mean. And then the, the second one, it's just a. It's just a foul. It's basically a tackle from behind. Yeah, and where it is on the pitch obviously plays a huge part in that as well because albeit Canate's both are yellow cards, at no point is he stopping his man getting inside the penalty area and a really dangerous situation sort of coming after it. But it was a mismatch from from the word go, really, Diaz against Young. I highlighted it in our build-up show beforehand. I said, that is where we should be looking to get a hell of a lot of joy because albeit Young is all the things we've mentioned in terms of experience and stuff like that, like the, the pace, the, the, the difference in pace between the two. And if Diaz got the ball quickly enough, and was direct enough with his running and that type of thing he was always going to cause problems I didn't necessarily think it'd end up in a red card but I just knew he was going to give him nightmares all afternoon and if they weren't quick enough in getting like to Jack Harrison or Dwight McNeil around that to make it a two on one it was always going to happen and as we've seen Diaz credit to him Chloe's right in terms of he wasn't necessarily at it but what he did do well is he made Asi Young make decisions yeah. and he made bad ones as it <laughs> turned out because really but, and you're right there's a highlight his experience and it's the cool ahead type of thing because when you have I've been booked so early. It's up to your manager then to take you off and go, I'm getting you out of the firing line, mate, because he's 15 years younger than you, much quicker than you. That could happen again. So Dice has kind of messed up in not taking him off straight away because he easily could have done his best after he kicked the ball away. But also, Young Young knows he can't go to ground. If anything, he's got to let him go. Albeit, yeah. who knows, we might score. Yeah. He can't do that but again. The, the problem you've got with Evan, and it was one, again, I joked about it in the, in the, in the upper previews, like, who's going to be the lad who does that, who loses the head and gets sent off in this game? No, we haven't really got players like that. I was like, there's always one. It's someone who, who thinks they're buying into the culture of the football club mm. by, oh, it's a derby, so I've got to be physical. They're trying to win fans. They're trying to win the fan base over by showing how much it matters to them. But you get and you get a bunch of players who aren't that type of player doing stupid things. Ross Barkley, Rodwell, Davies, were all lads like that who were tried, I don't know, somehow I'd like someone whispering dogs of war, it's the dogs of war, remember the dogs of war remember, oh, get physical, get in their face to the derby, you're not that player mate, just calm it down, just you, you know, use use what you're good at instead and him slide tackling Lewis Diaz on the edge of the box, just just idiotic let's do um, let's do Canate Chris before we get there though, why has no one spoke about Onana's shot trying to kip, uh, trying to chip oh, yeah. Allison from about yeah. 40 yards out and it doesn't even get it off the floor yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we, we were joking he, he definitely watched the Beckham doc and went why has nobody tried this since David Beckham yeah. um, and of course people have yeah. people try it all the time it's yeah. just really really hard to do so it was incredible um, Ibu Kanate should he been sent off yes yeah, yeah probably nah carry on why Two bookable offences. Yes. <laughs> really, really easy. On a weekend where Ashley Young gets sent off for it, Kanji was it for Manchester yes, City yeah. for, for almost, the, well, yeah, exactly the same thing. Um, he knew what he was doing. 
he tried to he tried to make it difficult for him to get past. The break was on for Everton. It was two yellow cards. He should have been sent off. Sound. <laughs> <laughs> One's gone in your favour. I am. Um, it's weird, isn't it? How I I do and, wonder. And the fact that Klopp just went ten straight rounds of massive and went yeah. fucking get up, lads. And then and because that just pissed them off more. Bill Canal was, was just glorious. himself as well. Yeah, laughing yeah. five minutes later, like pissing himself on the bench. That would have the blue fume would have been right. Well, it was just it was perfect. It was yeah. The Klopp substitution really compounded the whole thing, didn't yeah. it? And it was like Dice. That was what Dice was hottest about. Of like he knows he knows he should have. That's why he's taking them off. And Look, I, 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 I get thought... The book. I get the big book! Get the big book! Get your quill! Um, Potter ink! Blue ink! <laughs> blue ink! Make it blue! <laughs> um, yeah, the, honestly, the big book of Everton Injustices. Check it out from all great blue retailers. Um, they had a new chapter every single season. Yeah. Um, Cop doing that did absolutely amaze them because it, I think... Dice used it as almost evidence to suggest he felt he got away with one. And I think that's... Right, I do think that I do think they were going to make that change anyway. I'm not sure. I mean, he clopped him around the bench and was like he screamed at Matt. He screamed at who, probably John Achterberg, whose job it is to hold the ball up. Like, get hurry up, hurry up, you pricks, get him on, get him off. Um, fair. Fair play, look, he's got that opportunity to, opportunity to do that. If that was a pre-season friendly, he wouldn't have been booked, and you'd have gone. There's a favour. Take him off, mate, because he, he should he should he should be off anyway. Yeah. I contend though, Chloe, and it's weird to say this because we've seen a lot of referees. This idea that referees kind of like to level things up, but I do wonder if in set. I I think the referees have been told not to give a, not to send as many players off, which sounds mental because four red cards got given out on the on that one day in the Premier League on Saturday. Just proving that they can't follow rules. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. But I think he <laughs> was trying... I think it's the problem with I, the refs in this country, to be I, honest. I think they were trying their best to try and fly beneath the radar a bit. And I honestly wonder whether Jürgen being sent off actually almost helped Canate in a weird way because I don't think he wanted to preside over a football match that had two red cards in it somehow because I can't see any other reason why Canate doesn't get sent off because by the way we're interpreting all these things not one of us looked at either of them and went that's not that, he's stopping the guy running through it's an obvious yellow card maybe that's the case but therefore they're not actually doing their job then your job is to just give the decisions what they should be and Canate should have been sent off it's that simple he, uh, it, uh, like there's people who say the more I watch it the more I don't think it's a foul it's a foul he, it's a, he knows what he's doing yeah. he knows what he's doing in that moment and I think we've got maybe one person behind him and to be fair Beto doesn't really have loads of support and maybe that helps Canate at the fact that they've got five men at the back they've gone a 5-4-1 or a 5-3-2 whatever it was um, and because what was it so they, were, they would have had a 10 weren't they oh yeah so sorry 5-3-1 uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just a foul it's a yellow card it's cynical and I'm fine with it because for the past three weeks people have been telling me to just get on and that referees make mistakes <laughs> so I'm now going to give you that exact same vibe um, everyone these referees are incompetent I think you should just really get on with the mistakes um, they are human after all and humans all make mistakes and if you really want to fight it all you need to do is get them suspended for next weekend but hmm. don't you worry they will be back again so you might as well shut the hell up um but yeah you should have been sent off he wasn't craig borson has, has done a madness um 
Uh, but also, if they'd have, if we'd have been ten v ten, it wouldn't have helped them because they'd have Sean Dyche would have felt like I've got to go for it now. I yeah. can't sit here being you know level terms in in terms of players and not try and get something from this game. And in terms of doing that, did there be more spaces in the counter attacks? Would have been on time and time and time I'm again. I'm boss with ten men. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, more importantly, I just want to have a general chat though, Dan, just to kind of move this forward because I I got a message from me from my cousin about it. It was around the Ashley Young stuff during the game and he was like what what are they trying to do with all this because I, I don't think both the yellows and both and one of the Canate one plus the one that he didn't get we can all sit here and go I can see perfectly legitimately why you get a yellow card for that because that's the way footy's gone but at the same time why have we made why have the rules gone that way because this is getting this is getting worse and worse in football mm. football is not a more violent sport there's no more. It's no five years ago. Football was not like didn't have this rash of just horrendous, you know, horrendous injuries. It wasn't like brutal game uh, sport by any means. So, like, what are they trying to achieve? Because they're effectively making it easier for players to be sent off. And I don't get what the point of that is, unless they, they are they trying to add the drama? Are they does it just go back into they're trying to create a world where there's more respect, or they're trying to take certain challenges? Do they want people to take tactical fouls mm. out of the games that what they're trying to actively discourage? Because mm. that for me is part and parcel of the whole game of stopping your opponent getting through. And, and I'm not. I, it's weird. I, I I don't mind. I'm accepting of these being yellows, but I'm not sure how I've become accepting of yellows being handed out. Yeah, it's a strange one, actually, isn't it? When you really think about it, but it's almost as if at some point in the last, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine seasons, those became yellow cards, and there's always been yellow cards thereafter. It's like somebody, one of the refs, maybe decided that you just can't do that anymore, and they're sort of carte blanche. Every single referee has gone. Oh, actually, yeah, he's right. You can't do that type of foul. But I wonder whether, in terms of sort of an explanation, I wonder whether it's coming with sort of the rise in popularity of the D and that's the type of foul that they commit all the time we've seen Fernandinho get away with them forevermore for Man City of Not course but, yeah but I think the maybe same. now that position has become so pivotal and they're the fouls that they commit all the time. They become more common in the game, perhaps. I'm not quite sure, but you're right. There is just an acceptance now. And it's even from a fan's perspective and certainly from referees well, and the players. Well, they almost, as soon as they drag someone back on the halfway line, they know straight away, don't they? It's a, a cynical is the word you used it all earlier. But for me, I can't remember a time but they sort of in the past five, six years where they weren't just yellow cards. They're the most straightforward yellow card ever. I don't remember my entire like, life. Years ago they growing, weren't. No, but in my mind they were. And I mean, that's, that's just because I'm younger. To, I was thinking about this because you mentioned this too was on, on Saturday, I think. And I, I sort of came to the conclusion that it was like, maybe it's just they don't want so many stoppages in football. And I think that the way that the game's gone, technically everybody are just better players and stuff. And now because of that, there are more and more examples of players trying to stop the game and not go for the football. And that and actually, when you look at both yellow cards, I've got more of a problem with Ashley Young's second being a yellow card than his first because there's no genuine attempt to make the football mm-hmm. in his first challenge. Mm-hmm. In the second, there is. Yeah. And I that's the one where I go, when did that become a yellow yeah. card for yeah, just yeah. for just being yeah. slightly and late? This goes into this thing. I've always kind of I always turn my nose up at ideas when you throw totally outrageous by the existence of football concepts out. So when people say like the orange card, for example, or they talk about sim bins, I immediately balk because I just don't want anything rugby involved in my sport, you know what I mean, as much as possible. But the more and more you look at that, it's not violent conduct, really. You know what I mean? No one was injured. There was no goal-scoring opportunities, clear-cut, denied. You know what I mean? It wasn't sweeping someone's legs out when they're clean through. We all know those challenges we've seen. They're very few and far between is what I'm, I'm driving at. 
nothing about those. Like all you're effectively doing by sending, and this is me defending the sending off of Ashley Young. By the way, is like all you're doing by sending Ashley Young off for that is making it d- determining the flow of the football match and actually ruining the flow of, of of a football match. Whereas I don't know, I've never been keen to say we'll stick him in, a, stick him, stick him off the pitch for five minutes, and that's your advantage, and then he gets to come back in. But half an hour into the game, the game is irreparably change probably for the worse and again we won this so I, you know I, I shouldn't be sat here really complaining a win's a win and a major side derby fucking laughing but you know if he if he's if he's punched Luis Diaz in the head because he's lost it send him off and don't let, don't let him come back but those little accumulative fouls to change a game on that just feeds I don't know if it feeds into the pettiness of how games are being officiated for me and that's just stupid kicking the ball away and getting sent off kicking the ball away in a moment of just stupidity. That's mm. not losing your head and breaking someone's leg. That's you've kicked the ball away. It's like, I don't know. It's wasted as much time as a goalkeeper wastes on a goal kick. Mm. Every every goal kick. Like, it's not actually in the in the grand scheme of things, especially with multi-ball. Like, yeah. you kick that ball away, great, pass the other one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really make any yeah. difference. The whole thing, just again, it just feeds back into this weird, like, school teacher trying to be really pernickety over every little thing because of what, for why, what are you achieving by it? You know what I mean? You're creating a bunch of rules, and the more rules you create, the more holes there are in those rules. Now, I'm talking about potentially making more rules or changing them, but... Have a, have a think about what those rules are meant to achieve. What what does that mean? Honestly, really? I do think it's the flow of the game. I think yeah. it's to take out the the challenges where people aren't making an attempt at the ball, yeah. and I've I've got no problem with that. Yeah. I, th- I think if you aren't making an attempt at the ball, it is a kind of cheating. Yeah, because you just know you're too late, so you're doing whatever you can. Yeah, and, and that's why I've got more of a problem with the yellow card yeah, for the second one yeah. because that is a yellow card. I'm, should it be? I don't know. Well, I think that's a good point, point because you're right. They're the ones that have, have drastically changed. Is if you make a legitimate attempt, attempt to play the ball and you miss, is that a, is that an instant He'd yellow card? The ball if Diaz didn't put his foot there last yeah. minute, yeah. And so he his foot was in a perfect position yeah. to take the ball away. And all the attackers know is I don't actually have to control this and keep it in. I just have to get my foot between their foot and the ball, and it's a yellow card. And that's where you go. Actually, over the last fifteen years, that now has changed almost unrecognisable mm-hmm. and you know this is the thing we're not talking about because we something we talk about in the car you know they outlawed the tackle from behind after Paul Elliott's got his leg broken and had his career ended and, <laughs> and you, you watch there's a great video and it's Graham Lasso watching his England performance I think he played Brazil in like the 90s and he's watching it back and you can find it on YouTube just say it's like Graham Lasso reacts to something like that it's been years since I've watched it it's brutal like I mean he should, he'd have been sent off in three seconds if that was played in the modern game that's different. We've curbed that now, but you're right. It's just a, there's a. It's just it's putting too much stakes on legitimate attempts to 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 win the balls off. I just think it's a bit mad. I mean, and we've had bigger issues with refereeing in recent weeks. Hmm. But uh, do you guys have any thoughts on it? You know, if there's anything you would actively change, or you or do you think it's fine as it is? Ultimately, yeah. Let us know. Um, <laughs> Costa Shimikas, Chloe blocks him. Um, no, he would not. You're shaking your head. I knew you were going to come to me with it because you hate Costas Simicas. Oh no, I love Costas. Um, I love the way to he, say his name. He was the one who we all looked at the team and went, "Okay, that's where it's going to sort of the game might yeah. hang on him." No, Andy Robertson. There's going to be a lot of games passed his way in the next in the next weeks and months. Um, what did you make of his performance? 
Um, he was all right, yeah. I, I, he, he wasn't I, the first half. I, I think I wanted to murder him when he was in that dugout and there was a football on our pitch and they were attacking. I could have throttled the man. Look, I don't know. Wait until he didn't doing. run off. When he didn't run off, when he was getting subbed, and he's walking. It's like hurry, yes, Costa. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't even like the the in-game moments that did my head in. It was when he was sat on a dugout fuming with Everton players whilst hmm. they were attacking our end. Did that make the TV coverage, Dan? Oh, no, I didn't see that. So no. Costa gets bundled mm. the does he get like bundled off the pitch a bit the ball's out and it's around the dugout and he, he's chasing this ball down <laughs> to bring it back and to take a throw in mm. the ball's already in play they've, they've, yeah, they've right, carried yeah. on and he's, he's he, it must only be about three or four seconds but it felt like oh about a minute God. and a half that he was scrabbling around it was like Rocky chasing the chicken it's, it's on the pitch <laughs> yeah, we were all fuming at him um, I didn't. I didn't think he was spectacular. I didn't think he was horrific. Um, it's it's an area where I worry if you come up against a better side than Everton. Mm. I really do. I can't deny that. I think going forward, you know, he's 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 really good. They've set pieces. I really like him. Um, I don't think he has the recovery pace of if someone puts it past him and gets in behind him. Um, and I just slightly worry more defensively when we go to a back three. It doesn't suit him. It does. It doesn't suit him. Um, but I, I don't think he he put in a horrific performance. It was it was the moment of pure like what are you doing uh, that that did my head in where he was just going to retrieve a ball when they were on the attack down his side when it was like his his number came up and we were like oh well, that is the correct decision yeah and look how attacking we're going and as you turn around and expect the players to be on the pitch he's walked not even a yard because he's gone that slow um, <laughs> he sped up pretty quickly when he heard the, the the rising hubble what are you doing <laughs> it was all nil we were all for human um so yeah look he, he was he was all right yeah sometimes in the first half he, he lost the ball too easily um he was fine but yeah he once fine. again he was fine he wasn't spectacular he wasn't called upon defensively a lot was yeah. he is the point no certainly second half a problem so he's just that thing isn't he of like there's got to be one to keep an eye on if you've got into that game and he's your big fear everything he does that isn't utter perfection is going to feed into that fear. Mm. I do think there's something down where we're going to have to remember how to play with him in that position yeah. because he can't play it like Andy Robertson. And I thought it was interesting. I thought Gomez was brilliant when he came on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a guy playing on his wrong foot on that side, but actually... Gomez loves getting up and down. He's got pace. You know, it was, I think Shimakas was forever looking for that, that I'll take a touch. I've got half a yard of space here and I'll whip a ball in. He put a couple of good ones in early, early doors, which is interesting because it's so far away and it's so long away when you're coming out the match. I didn't even remember that. It was only when I went back and watched it again. There's going to be an interesting conversation, I think, in the coming weeks between someone like Joe Gomez. Does Gerald Quanta get a little bit more of a look in if it's more of a centre back role? Yeah. But Costas was fine. But I also don't think he necessarily put to sleep any doubts that he's the main man with Andy Robertson. No, I'd absolutely agree with that wholeheartedly, to be honest. I think a couple of deliveries were really sort of noteworthy and you thought that's what he's very good at and that's where he does shine through. But I agree. I think Joe Gomez's little cameo at it, for me, has only sort of further instilled the belief that Gomez could do it. And obviously, Jurgen Klopp was at pains to say in the press conference, it's not just Tim McCass, it's Gomez. It's, you mentioned Luke Chambers as well, who interestingly yeah. played for the 21s against Benfica yesterday, and he'd been out injured before that. So perhaps we'll see a bit of him in the Toulouse game or the Bournemouth game thereafter. But yeah, I thought it was fascinating that Klopp mentioned these other lads and then went to Gomez so soon in the game. I would not be shocked in the slightest if Joe Gomez got a decent run at left back. Because Tim McCass is fine. 
But you mentioned there, how do you play with Simicast? It is different to Robertson. Is it an easier transition to go to someone like Gomez? Potentially, certainly, if you are going to go to a back three at times like we do, I would, wouldn't shock me in the slightest if Gomez got a run. It was interesting that he also referenced that Jared Brantway is a left-footed centre-half I've as well. Like it was a very, yeah. very specific Pointed piece of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was yeah. brilliant, by the way. And I actually think Tarkovsky was really good for them as well. You, say, defensively, he was, really you say he was brilliant. There was a moment where a ball's coming out of the air and he goes to kick it in that second half and he just misses the ball completely and the entirety of the stadium yeah. absolutely took the piss out of him. He, he was solid. Uh, he was good aside from that. Yeah, he's I'll give him that. But good, that was hysterical. Um... Klopp didn't fuck around with the subs, did he, Chris? You know, I think there was a real sense, again, it's Everton, it's Everton. That probably should be enough, but it's 10-man Everton, we're at home. Liverpool need these three points, they shouldn't be in question. I mean, we effectively went to two at the back with the substitutions that we made for a bit. Um, because I was lad next to me going, you figure that out. It's like, is it a back three? Yes, it's a back three, but it's Trent in it, so it's not a back three. But, but the bad thing is, Diaz just knew what he was doing straight away. Yeah. Like, I don't know whether there was a... A mention of that at half time or something that that was going to come in because as soon as he, you know, he lined up, he was there and I was like, okay, Diaz knows, but he's the other side of the pitch. How does he know that that's coming? Like, but he was brilliant and that actually freed him up. It gave him more time and more space uh, on the ball. And it was kind of inevitable then that he was going to be the one to make, to make something happen because he didn't have to worry about being a defender and sort of playing that sort of left back stroke, left wing back role that he was in but he was able to get into the penalty area and again you know he could have had a penalty maybe before we get the the penalty I mean he was just clashing that role to be honest with you and the extra the extra bodies up front just scared the shit out of Everton like you know Nunes being up there and having to give them something Jota was playing brilliantly oh, you know slaloming when he had the, the ball he was just causing an absolute nightmare for them Joe Gomez running from deep obviously a little bit later on do, does himself in a 619 without a ring which was impressive <laughs> when he took the shot on like um, some he, it was some shot but the way he fucking spun round afterwards he, he nearly took off like a helicopter um, he was just absolutely brilliant and so yeah I mean he changed the game he knew exactly what he was doing and I think at times we've seen Jürgen especially like when we were was it was it Man United when we got uh, they got a man sent off against us or was it Everton one of those years when we lost by a point and he didn't capitalise on those I think it was Everton it was Everton uh, no I don't know I can't remember that, I'm sure it was a game where well we played it was the, it was United the with Arlick injuries off bench, oh it was injuries United yeah. with injuries wasn't it and that the, was yeah, it yeah. Yeah. and he didn't capitalise yeah. yeah. he drew both of them that year didn't and he, he didn't capitalise he was dead conservative in the way that he approached his substitutions and stuff when they were there for the taking this time he's like I'm not making those mistakes again I'm going to go out there and we're going to put everything and certainly not at Anfield and certainly not Everton and certainly not with 10, with, with ten men no I, I, I loved it and it was telling as well speaks to the maturity Dan of what he's doing when we get the goal he changes it back that's when Gomez comes on and we actually go back to more of a more of a back four he's like great we've gone all we've, we've pressed all out attack yeah. and then we've got the goal okay the penalty fine we'll, we'll, we can just go back to how we, we go back to managing this game let them come out at us and you know it was just it was actually perfect management for that second it half. was absolutely spot on yeah it was he's nailed it there and one of the biggest criticisms during Klopp's time if there are any to be made of his brilliant tenure are his substitutions and that game management side of things I think he's always got it spot on but this time he absolutely did 
and it was probably a sense of, as you alluded to there, that Everton would have to sort of show at least a little bit of a hand. They haven't done for half an hour because they knew it was sort of all hands on deck. Let's try and keep them out as much as possible. But when you go 1-0 down anyway, there's no point just seeing how the game was 1-0 because what do you achieve from that? You yeah. keep the goal difference down, potentially, but that's it. <laughs> yeah. um, so we're always going to have to try something. So we probably felt like Everton could win a couple of corners, a couple of sort of set pieces, like Chris said before. And it's at that point, we'll hit them anyway. We'll strike regardless of what formation we're playing. We can go to being more sensible and not have two at the back now. And we can just play our normal footy and we're likely to score again, of course, as it pans out. That's what we go and do. Because the attacking players that we had on and the decisiveness in which we were able to get out from the back was their old game, really. Like that sort of counter-attacking that up until the sort of final third and that final pass, we were really clinical with that sort of stuff. And obviously the pace and the added quality that we've got was always going to shine through. And for the second goal, obviously, it's McAllister that gets it down, isn't it? And he's got that awareness and that presence of mind. Because how many people have just wellied that to the halfway line like minutes to go and gone, let's just get it away from our goal. But he was really calm at the moment. Yeah, no, brilliant stuff. A um, bit more on Diaz then, Chloe. Penchouts. I got back in and I put the the, the TNT coverage of it and Ali McCoyst and Neil Ferdinand were incredibly dismissive of that Luis Diaz being fouled in the box pen shout. I again and we, we t- I think we talked about it outside the ground of like it's hard to tell because you're in the moment and it looks like it looked nailed on everything's you know? a pen when you're in the ground yeah of course yep. absolutely everything <laughs> is a pen um, and the more I watch that back I, I, I can't see how it's not I mean the commentators were going that's a dive, you know, and and I know that there's a degree at the end where Diaz lets out a bit of a shout and he does maybe arches the back a little bit, but Patterson he cuts him back inside, he slides and his knee takes a standing foot away. I, I don't know, it was just a pen, and I, and I don't know whether that then leads to us them being a little bit more lenient. I don't know what the handballer follows, but I, I thought that was the clear the the clearest one to be perfectly honest. Inside the ground, I thought it was a, a, a pen because from it was literally right in front of me and from where we were, you could see that Patterson gets nowhere near the ball um, and he does make contact with, with uh, Lewis Diaz. And I, I think I, I asked you, I was like, what, what happened there with that penalty? Because from where we were, it looks like he's made no contact with the ball whatsoever and just the man. Um, and because in, in time, it looks faster than probably what he does actually hit Diaz with. Everyone inside that ground thought... I was that not a penny's made contact. Um and to be honest, I, I haven't watched it back too many times. I, I saw I saw your video of it. Um and even then it, it he gets nowhere near the ball, he just gets the man. Um but I've I, I let it go because we, we did get a pen, rightfully so, that the second time round. And maybe if we wouldn't have, I'd have been looking at that one uh, over and over and over again. Um but it, it was one of them where I don't think there's like there's not enough contact to completely wipe Lewis Diaz out, but also the player hasn't made contact with the ball at all. He has made contact with the man. So I, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of both. I, I like, I don't think there's enough contact for it to be a nailed on pen, but also this player's nowhere near the ball and has actually made contact with the man instead. Yeah, I don't know. I, Adam, have we got the end of the eye turned on? Yeah. Can we just put the clip up? So yeah, I, this was from the, the footage I got and it's, it's easy, but it's easy to see on the on the close up. But it's the the left knee and the ankle of Diaz. It's just a I don't know. It, uh, it's soft, that if you get that. Penalty, I don't think it's a penalty. Really? I honestly yeah. don't. No, I quote tweeted that. It's, I don't think it's a pen. I think when VAR first came in, it was first introduced, they were given penalties for stuff like that week in, week out. Yeah. And like any contact in the box, if you don't get the ball, penalty. I don't think it is. I don't think there's enough in it. 
I really don't. I think if he completely wipes him out, like full pace wiped out, then yeah. But he's just, you've got to go to ground. At some point, you're going to touch the opposing player. Let that be for me. Like, it's a contact sport still, yeah. like the oldest thing, but you're going to be contacting the box. Not everything has to be a penalty. I actually don't think, even at the time, I didn't think it was. I don't think he's dived. No, oh, absolutely not. I no. don't think it's a penalty. I, th- I think there needed to be more pace or, or mm. th- th- there was not enough contact for it to be a pen, but I wouldn't say it's an out-and-out dive either because he has made contact I'd be livid if that was the other end against us. Yeah. Livid. Yeah. I, I, the roof, like, my, thing for, my thing for me, I agree. the problem we've got with the VAR stuff is this, like, it's a clear, deliberate and obvious error kind of stuff. Whereas that gets given in normal time, I don't think anyone... I don't think anyone bats an eyelid at that being a penalty because he takes his, he does take his leg out when he cuts him back. But we're back into this, back into this, aren't we? The referees are still fucking shite. Um, the handball, see, <laughs> like I know his arms out. Go, Chris. What's what, what, what the handball? It's a natural position if you're waiting for a taxi or a bus. <laughs> 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 That's the only only time it's a fucking natural position, isn't it? Well, I mean, what a stupid defender, you know what I mean? He's just an idiot. He's the thickest defender in the Premier League. So if he's not scoring own goals, he's giving super penalties away. He is absolutely useless, mate. I don't know why he's doing that. If that's for balance, right, sort your equilibrium out, mate. You've got something in your ears. There's something not right here, pal. He's got a major in ear issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit of a head cold. Yeah, he's fucking I yeah I don't know I, it's one of them isn't it? like I'm not don't get me wrong I'm not tearing my nose up on it but do you think do you think the Diaz one was more of a pen than that hundred percent really? oh no, no that's I, a I disagree nail those get. I disagree he's playing basketball. It, it literally it is why is his arm that far out <laughs> yeah I mean it's why, okay why, yeah why, like but it was funny because obviously in the ground I don't know what the coverage shows but. They're all they're all around the referee and Tarkovsky's going. It's 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 by his sides, by his sides, and I think I I like <laughs> shouted to him, "You effing weapon!" It's out wide. Like it was just as soon as it happened. It was a nailed on pen. I cannot believe everyone in, in that entire stadium could see that, but the ref a yard away couldn't. Yeah, he's closer to doing every letter <sighs> of the YMCA than it is to being by his side. Exactly. Yeah. It's just no, no penalty. You can't have your arm out there. Yeah. Stop it. I don't know. It goes back to this thing again. I just He's not trying to stop the ball, is he? You know what I mean? It's... I'm happy it was a penalty. I thought the other one was more. I don't think, you, I don't, I don't think you have to try and stop the ball. I think the the point is, is it is it, is it in the silhouette of yeah. your body? Yeah. No, it's as simple that. as that. If the ball doesn't hit Michael Keane, does it hit any of our players in the box and lead to a goal? Yeah, that's the thing. Whole thing's bollocks in it. The um, let's talk about Patrick. Talking about bollocks, Mohamed Salah was fucking rubbish. <laughs> he was fucking rubbish from start to finish in that game of football. Bags of brace. I think he got man of the match in some, certainly in some quarters. Um, Dan, mm. he was terrible. Uh, Michalenko absolutely had him on toast. Every time he tried that little ball, to, you got, the ball played him on the corner of the box and he tried a little curled cross that hit the man in front of him every single time without fail. Um, every time he tried to stand his man up, he really struggled with it. 
look, it's, I guess it's, it's elite, isn't it, to then turn that performance and then two clinical moments take your chances. Um, but I, I'm, I'm happy to sit here and have a laugh at how rubbish Mo Salah was because he was dreadful. Yeah, he stunk the gaff out. Absolutely <laughs> stunk the gaff out. He was properly terrible. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I see Virgil van Dijk, funny enough, I read his interview just before we came down before, and he was praising Mikolenko's performance. He said, yeah, Salah wasn't at it today. And since the Bosley said something similar, didn't he? He was like, kept losing the ball, but we kept giving it back to him. And so on. Like, um, but Van Dijk was sort of saying, Mikolenko's really good against him and he was you've got to praise him but yeah Salah was woeful absolutely woeful but as you say gets two big moments and puts the ball in the back of the net twice and that's kind of what Salah does I guess he's normally a lot better than that of course but it was interesting like normally it's that was a Jota-esque performance because Jota's yes. normally crap yeah. and then scores at the end yeah. but Jota everything he did was boss yeah. and, and, he Salah, and he didn't score it was really weird like Freaky Friday swap bodies <laughs> you do that bit it was such a weird weird game from that perspective because yeah Salah was not at it in the any way, shape or form. And I was sort of, I mentioned sort of the Young and Diaz battle earlier on. I thought Salah was going to Mikalenko, but it was the opposite way around. Salah just couldn't get it going at all, could he? I don't know whether his mind was elsewhere or what, but he was dire. Well, it's mad because he obviously put that um, video out about yeah. uh, Palestine and Israel, didn't he? And I didn't give, really give it a second thought. Just, oh, it's nice. Nice that he's actually used his platform, good humanitarian message. But I was reading the Athletic article around it and how much thought goes into that release and how many takes and how much pressure he's had from all kinds of sides on that kind of stuff and I'm not saying that was it you know but like you forget sometimes how much he carries around with him as a as an absolute icon and yeah I mean ultimately he's got two goals in a derby Chris so I'm not sure he's going to be too upset with his overall performance but there was almost a bit like particularly when he scored the second one it was a bit almost like apologetic of like right cool we're done with this let's just go and get Honestly, off I met James after the game and the first thing he did he was like it was like he was angry that he scored that goal oh, God I don't deserve this but I'll put it away for <laughs> years anyway like and, and that's kind of what it felt like he was he was really poor but you know I must admit, when it came to the penalty, I was thinking that it was Sabozlai that was going to take it because he held the ball the entire time, didn't he? Up until Mo then comes from nowhere because like Mo was sort of sheepishly looking down. But obviously, thinking back now, you know Henderson used to do that mm. thing where he'd keep the ball, keep the keep the other players away from the penalty taker, and I think it was just a good way of everyone going. Well, Sabozlai's got the football here. No one was anywhere near Salah. He was just sort of patient on his own. I thought he looked sheepish about it. And I was wondering whether he was going to take the ball off. So as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, Mo's taking the ball, gone in there. And you're like, that's exactly what we needed. Two really good penalties now he's taken in his last two and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, who was the fellow who was stood on the spot Virgil. as well? Virgil stood well, on the spot. So that's, yeah. again, you know, a little bit different way of doing it, but all important parts of how to win football games. It's interesting. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I, I, something I, I've noticed that Trent does as well is that at the end of every half, he goes over and talks to the referees and basically almost every game walks off the pitch with the referees and just 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 chats them. And I, and I think it's a very Jordan Henderson thing of making sure you've got a relationship with these people. And, I, and I, I, you know, I've mentioned to Bosley previously of how he's got... Great leadership. He's got really obvious leadership qualities on the pitch, but you know Jordan was so good at doing all of the other things. He was never the best player in the team, but he brought all those other bits. All the bits you can add, you can choose to add that you're not born with necessarily. He added, and it's great to see actually some other people kind of pick that up around the pitch. Yeah, really good. Um, Chloe Harvey Elliott. 
boss. Brilliant. Absolutely Jesus. brilliant. What a, what a performance that yeah. was off the bench. Um, Ryan Gravenberch was incredible too. Yeah. I'd like to give him props as well. I thought he's, he's such a silky footballer. Yeah. Him. Um, but Harvey Elliott, you could see the desire on him. You could see him when he came on turn around and go, I'm not having these shit get a point out of us. Absolutely not. He came on, he was everywhere. There was a, there was a ball which was like so far, they boosted so far up in the air and I think they were on the counter if Harvey Elliott doesn't take a good touch and the touch spins him and he, he just frees the ball away and makes it and I was like oh my god um, his range of passing the one that's tipped onto the bar Jordan Pickford mm-hmm. does incredible for um, I, I thought he was immense when he came on he was full of energy full of desire full of heart full of running um, and full of quality um, and it wasn't just him trying to go down the left hand side and and uh, feed Salah time and time again no he, he took it upon himself he'd carried the ball he'd switch he might have been our man in the match yeah he, he could have been he was exceptional <laughs> when he came <laughs> on um, and he was so unlucky not to have a goal as well and when that when that got saved oh the way he hit himself he was fuming <laughs> and I was like don't worry lads like you, you've been boss but were they the moments boss, yeah. that are going to determine that because it's so competitive that and obviously we've mm. got Curtis Jones to come back in as well and it's interesting it goes back to like that the recency bias but also the distance bias of being in the cop I didn't really know much of Gavin Birch other than some nice neat touches but then I went and watched that like two and a half minutes of every touch stuff God, and I was like was my God he was unbelievable yeah. uh, it was that one on the edge of the box where it gets fizzed into him and without looking he just clips it like to his left across the 18 yard box and, and we're in it's like that is ludicrous that you should yeah. be that good but actually what you've got in, in that group of players and, and Supper's Life comes into this as well these are young footballers who are all got really big look like really nice really good lads as well really love footy and I think they're all going to drive each other on I thought Elliot was um, Elliot was brilliant um, good to see we got a little bit of love for Jotter in there as well but lastly on the game itself um Darwin, Chris, um, we were our counter attacks <laughs> so shit all game, and then there comes Darwin, who is often the man who kind of conspires to kind of tangle himself up. <laughs> I, I did wonder if he was gonna, he was if he held on to it too long, but ultimately, it's a perfect pass to Salah. It's it, he puts it on the plate for him, and you know that's how the game ultimately gets sewn up is because of Darwin Nunes's composure. Yeah, and you can see in the in, in the celebration from Salah, he's just pointing at him, so he knows exactly who who it was. But a little shout out for Sobersly actually in the build up to that goal, which I don't yeah. think anybody's talking about. Mm-hmm. He's catching up with 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 the two of them, yep. and he's about to get in the way of the pass okay. and just stops. And just at the time that Darwin Nunes has settled himself in for a pass, so really good awareness from all three of the players. You know, Salah to keep himself on side, Sabozlai to not get involved, and Darwin Nunes for the weight of the pass and drawing the defender before waiting for it. After running 30, 40 yards with the ball at your feet in full flight, everything just seems to be slowing down and coming to him at the moment, doesn't it? Uh, and that's exactly what we need from Darwin Nunes. Obviously, the stats are going round at the moment, aren't they? All the goals and assists per 19 and being top of the Premier League after I think it's 300 minutes or something played. Yeah. You know, you can see that he's having enough impact there now. Um, He's got a connection and has had a connection, I think, going back to last season with Salah anyway. They tend to feed each other quite a lot. Well, he's, he's got eight, eight Premier League assists and they're all for Mo Salah. Yeah. Um, More than Sadio Mane, I've seen yeah. on the weekend, which is mental. I mean, 
The that eating each other, remember? <laughs> the eating each other, Dan. Over that course of time compared to this course of time. Yeah, that's crazy. Madnessly. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, well, it is also, absolutely insane. that's just something last season where you'd think Darwin Nunes might get stuck in two minds and not know what to do. But what he did was, he by holding on to the ball so long, Jordan Pickford had made the decision where... He was like, if if he shoots here, I look ridiculously stupid. So I need to move over as far as I can to the opposite side. <laughs> he did side. what he did last season. And he yeah. did it. He got he came out and he got lost somewhere, which just meant as soon as Salah could hit the ball, as long as he got it any part on the right-hand side, it was going in because Jordan Pickford had left so much space. Um, and the composure and the calmness, because as you can imagine, the crowd are screaming for you to pass that ball. To have the calmness and composure to lay it off to him, with a perfectly weighted ball in the correct place so Salah can just run onto it and finish it um, I, I'm, I'm really really enjoying watching Darwin Nunes and it's mad that he's only had three Premier League starts this season because if I was to choose my front three tomorrow he'd be our number nine yeah go on Dan what? on that very last point really yes yes but also like there's been a few little problems injuries around him stuff, injury yeah. stuff so I think that sort of played it. he might have started yesterday, um, the weekend rather if it wasn't for cramp in the week for your yeah. he had a, a toe problem as just, well it, just, it reminds me a bit like like last season almost was it just a like a tra- training season for a guy we paid 80 odd million pound for but he, he feels ready now but it reminds me a bit of Torres's first season where everyone wanted him in the team he was clearly brilliant but you, you've got to manage him you know we can't afford there's clearly a guy who's going to transform our, our attack plays but if you play him 90 100 minutes week in week out there won't be a footballer there to to utilize so the jota was the right i thought was the right decision ultimately again he has a really good a really good performance from him um and yeah darwin gets to come on and have the the impact great more more of that please um okay cool we're gonna take a short break when we return um a couple of things just in terms of the importance of those three points uh, and i want to talk a little bit about the atmosphere seeing lots of talk around the apparently crap atmosphere of the derby um but we'll address that in part two see you in a sec hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on same goes for healthcare. that's why united healthcare offers flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yes, if you haven't done so already, head to redmanmerch.com and grab your knitted Christmas jumper. Selling fast. Once they're gone, they're gone. I'm aware. I've said this for weeks. It's October. 
but you know, early bird gets the jumper. Um, <laughs> right. Um, what they say? Yeah, I said yeah. The, that famous <laughs> saying. And if it isn't, it is now. We will get that on a t-shirt. Um, Chris, the three points, um, and, and I, I think you can tell. We mentioned it before. Ten man, it's Everton. Blah blah blah. It's the run of games coming up. Yeah. This is where a title challenge is going to be built for Liverpool. We're going to be looking on the Bias Football Podcast this week because I've been saying all season and every for every season, it's ten games. Look at the league table after ten games. See what that where that stands. Liverpool have got a very good chance to be right in contention. And but we talked about it in the build to the game. If you don't beat Everton, all of a sudden you've lost to Spurs, you've drawn with Brighton and you've lost or drawn to Everton. You're in bad form and the, the momentum you've built all of a sudden has turned against you. It was so, it was just beyond important to make sure they got over the line in this one. Yeah, of course it was. Obviously the derby is, is a massive thing, you know, for everybody who's a Liverpool fan and for obvious reasons. And you, you have to beat the teams who are worse than you. You know, you have to almost beat everybody to win a league title nowadays. It's, you know, it, I, I, it's actually funny. I was sort of thinking about this. I don't know the best way to phrase it, but it's like, I've for years been like you, like 10 games, 10 games, but it feels like this is a weekly league almost now where everyone's opinions on sides are almost shaped on a weekly basis. And we actually don't know anymore until way late who were the good ones and who were the bad ones. And it feels like, you know, us, Arsenal, Tottenham, Manchester City, we're all going about our business at the moment. Aston Villa. Aston Villa as well, of course, you know, but after the first couple of weeks of the season, they were terrible, you know, and, and that's the, I think that's the 24 hour news cycle thing, isn't it? Where everybody focuses on absolutely everything at all times. Um, it's obviously important. It's a good one of games for Liverpool. It's the hardest one out the way now. The early kickoff was obviously a thing that we have to deal with. I think that might have fed into any atmosphere issues if there were any in the ground. But ultimately, you've just got to win. And winning without playing your best is, is, is always championship form. Yeah. It, and it, that's never going to change, no matter how we analyse, how we talk about football. We're not even into fit. You know, what, what, what gear do you go into? Because we always say out <laughs> a second, we're not in fifth gear yet. No, yeah. we're nowhere near fifth gear. This yeah. side is still coming together. You know, you talked about the midfield a little bit earlier. It's funny, isn't it? When you got great footballers, they all want to do their own little things. But it's not until they mesh together and there's that sort of understanding where you start to see the best of them. Inside the first five minutes, there was some play through the middle against Everton, oh, where, where it ended up with Mo Salah fucking it up, <laughs> which was some of the best football I think I might have ever seen in Anfield. They're the moments that you need to turn into spells. You know, they need to last 10, 12, 13, 15 minutes, whatever, instead of just one moment and then you don't see it again for the rest of the game. That's the stuff that we're aiming for. And the more moments you start to get, the more it will turn into spells. It's We've, we've lived on this knife edge, Chloe, for years where it feels like you've got to win every single game of football, otherwise you can't win the title. We kind of got lucky the last two game weeks because of how other fixtures fell and rivals not you know not pulling away with it City dropping points has actually helped everyone feel there's a world an alternate universe where City have got probably another six points on the board and we're all going well that's that's all done and dusted now already that's what puts this this little run of games into such sharp focus is we yeah, we got away with one. We 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 could get away with losing and drawing a game of football and not be totally out of the running. But then you then can't you cut your margin for error's gone. You can't then lose to Everton and you can't lose to Forest and you can't lose to Luton and you can't lose to Brentford. Ideally, you want to be putting twelve points on the board after these and then. But again, it momentum 
it's not really a real thing, but it but it but it feels like it is. And to not to not win the derby, I think totally cuts the legs off what we're trying to do in this period. So it's great that we can just kind of put it to one side and go, all right, what's who's next? No matter how crap Everton Football Club are, it's a derby. Um and it is a massive game of football. And it's a game where Liverpool have sometimes came unstuck, mainly at Goodison, uh, rather than Anfield, but it's it's never a nailed on, no matter how crap they are. It might feel like that to you, <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't to me. Um and I think Liverpool out of the top six have possibly had the hardest running so far to start the season and to say that the one point potentially three how I think Spurs will win tonight off the top is ridiculous and now we've had our spell of really hard games and we will have another spell but up until the November international break we've got winnable fixtures fixtures that you think right well we can gain points on on other teams yeah and by the time off hard fixtures come around again because I think we've got Arsenal Newcastle and Manchester United all in December all around Christmas that is vile um, by the time those games and come no around Robo as well, and probably. no Robbo by the time those games come around hopefully the results and the performances that you put in against the sides that should be winnable um, have helped you either create a little barrier so if you do fall you know you've got a cushion to fall on or you know those games mean even more and when you get big points out of them it causes worry in the rest and what we've got to realise is we've got another international break and after that international break it's straight into City and it's City away you need to use every ounce of you know positivity and, and bounce to get into that game you need to scare them you need that game to count for something mm-hmm. um, and you need to put yourself in that position and to do that you need to win these games and I think it would have been a lot harder because Everton as a team, Liverpool should be beaten based on the fact of what they've got on their starting eleven and what they can do. And if you would have dropped points, especially down when they were down to ten men, and when it felt like Liverpool really should have scored from several, you know, counter attacks, um, there would have just been a little bit negative atmosphere. Well, it counters the not. Newcastle vibes, you know, like yeah. if Newcastle gave us that thing of like this side will go, we'll find ways to win. And Tottenham could have done that, but there were so many extenuating circumstances that we all end up taking that as a bit of a positive. Don't fucking lose. I mean, it was like Klopp. I thought he was really interesting down his pre-match press conference. He was like, "I don't care about the record that we've got. About. I don't want to talk about it. Let's not like let's not talk about it because it's no need to add extra pressure to all this." No. But the thing, Chloe's point, right? That's what the aim is. You got to go. We got to go to the Etihad after the next international break. And your worst case scenario is, is it's not a title decider. Mm. And what I mean is, we've we've had them so early in seasons, and whoever's won that has pretty much gone on and won the title, certainly the year we won it. It, it really felt like, and it was too early to say it at the time, but it was we put we put a real gap at that, at that game. You know, we'd, we'd, we'd managed our season up to that point. We were talking about the, the Aston Villa game of not playing yeah. Fabinho and Villa, so he wasn't suspended for, um, for Man City, mm-hmm. and we beat them. And there's sliding doors where there's a swing there and it ends up in Liverpool's favour. Mm-hmm. Our worst case scenario is if we lose at the Etihad, which is very possible, the worst case is that it's... Four you know, points. Exactly. It's it's four it's four points which is recoverable. Yeah, one hundred percent it is, yeah. And I think sort of on the back of Saturday winning the derby, that does set us off on this run now, fixtures that do look favourable. But not for me, like regardless of who we were playing, I always look at us as being capable 
of putting a run together that's just perfect. And I think looking at what's to come now, I, I see no reason why we can't do that again. And we can go into that Man City game with it not being so much pressure on it. Like, obviously, you want to go there. And if you can go there and go in with the sort of the mantra, if we're ahead of City by that point, which I kind of expect us to be, looking at the fixtures, I really do. Because they've obviously got the Manchester Derby coming up next and stuff like that. So, so I think... So three points then? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I think there's no reason why we can't go into that ahead of them at worst. Where Tottenham and Arsenal are at that point, who, who knows really. But, yeah, I, I think we can, and I think we will, to be honest with you. I don't see anything stopping us in terms of what's to come, in terms of the fixtures. So, but you're right, if we go there and it's not sort of the be-all and end-all of if you get beat, that's you, done and dusted, then that's just a huge relief because going there is so, so important for titles. And if we can go there and just get a draw, I'm yeah, quite happy with a draw. sound by me. Absolutely. Also, Arsenal's point against Chelsea makes ours look really good as well um, so well, hopefully when City have to go there they come a little bit unstuck we'll, well they getting better might help us because they might take points off people yeah. well, we were saying this we're, we're going to do a little bit on the Newcastle and the Tenali stuff in the bias as well but yeah there's just something to sometimes things are worse for you because it makes it easier for opponents and other times it can work the other way around they all have Aston Villa as well where we've played them yeah, yeah. absolutely so, um, want to talk about the atmosphere then because Honestly, I, I I didn't give it a second thought after the game. I didn't think the atmosphere. I had no particular standout thoughts. I didn't walk away from the derby thinking that's the best Merseyside derby I've ever experienced. Far from it. I didn't think that was in me top ten or anything. You know, I I just hadn't given it a thought at all. But I saw a a rash of comments around it on the vlog, and I've seen a few bits on Twitter, and I've seen a few things on Redman's comments as well of people talking about the atmosphere. And I don't know how many of those people were in the ground, but I. I th- I feel like because I, I put the game back on again, so I had, but I had it on in the background while I was editing when I got in. Let's say I feel like it might have been mentioned in in commentary, which I think always has an impact on people's opinions on stuff. Um, what do we what do we think the, the atmosphere? Sound is alright. Um, where I was was pretty poor, to be honest with you. Um, but by comparison, by comparison to <laughs> right, right, let me let me give you some background first of all. I'm normally in the cop for these games. Yeah. Um, I ended up in the Upper Kenny for this one. I sit in the Upper Kenny for the Auto Cup scheme, so I know that block. Compared to what that normally is, it was a great atmosphere. <laughs> compared to My how I was going, they were singing in the Upper Kenny. He was made up. <laughs> compared to how I normally experience a derby, a very different atmosphere, <laughs> shall we say? Um, but I'm when I'm there, you know where the seat is. You're sort of twenty yards towards the away end more than anything so you can obviously hear the cop but you can hear the away end more because they're just closer to you um and 305 is the other side you know as well so it's a little bit further away um it sounded like the cop was fine to me by by what i can normally hear from a a europa league game and, and all that and obviously you know the cup games and stuff um but it was just a bit different for me I think there was a period in the second half where it was quite subdued. Yeah. I thought up until Ashley Young got sent off, it was really good. I, I thought it was mm-hmm. sound. We were, we were having three songs. Um, and actually, whilst nothing was happening during the game, all of my videos were just songs and chants. And Paul Scouts and Tommy was really good. That was sung quite a couple of times, actually. Yeah. Um, and then... Once Ashley Young got sent off, uh, I think we had maybe 10 minutes left in the half. 
it kind of went down because Liverpool didn't seem to capitalise enough and we were kind of frustrated. And at the start of the second half, it was like everyone hadn't got back to the seats. Yeah. I agree. It was it was a bit crap at the start of the second half. Um, but then when when once again we changed the formation and everything and we really went for it I thought it was good again and then there was a point where it's just expectation of 1-0 up it's undusted really it's Everton and I think it, it got a bit quiet again um, and I think the second goal there wasn't as big of a let off as you'd imagine it would be yeah. um, but what, I think that was just because people were like well Everton have offered absolutely nothing when in my head it was oh my god they've got a corner in the 95th minute oh my god I think everyone else was like yeah Virgil van Dijk's had an absolute lovely game I'll and Becker's there we'll be fine where I was really nervous um, I think a lot of people were just more calm and the expectation was we'll just win the context is important I think for this Dan and it's a shame because it is a derby yeah. but also I think people I think people people go people talk about the Anfield atmosphere like it's this uniform thing and then when it's not like the best of the best of the best it's they go oh well, it's, it's obviously there for a myth which is fucking horseshit it's absolutely fucking horseshit there's obviously games where it's better than yeah. better than others my contention is the worst atmosphere at Anfield is better than ninety five percent of the atmospheres prior to Jurgen Klopp coming in mm-hmm. and a lot of that comes from the cop just basically being standing it's been almost people have stood almost exclusively for every game more and more it wasn't totally like that in the early years but I think Chloe's this point this season we tried we, we were going for top four that's when everyone started to stand up yeah. more at the start of the season not so much yeah. but halfway through that when there was something to fight for that's mm. when everyone I remember stood. people at that Middlesbrough game guys, yeah. a guy kicking off by me because there's people around me who wanted to sit down and he was mm-hmm. going oh, fucking stand up and that, that, mm. I haven't seen anything remotely no. like that for years but the context of the game we have this when you play teams where you don't they don't have the ball well normally what happens when you sing you'll sing a song and if the song lulls you'll just boo when the opponents have got the ball and then that'll give you a chance to catch yourself and then <clears> sing another song. When they've not got the ball, you can't boo, so you can't you can't generate that noise. And Cody's about that that weight of expectation of it's nil-nil. It was a little nervy and a little edgy and I think the crowd got a little bit like that, but that gets forgotten. Game state is important. It isn't It isn't blanket noise from start to finish in, in lots of games of football. No, it's not, of course it's not. It wasn't exactly the blood and thunder of a derby that we've seen in yeah, the past yeah. either, was yeah. it? In the, the half-twelve kickoff plays into that, of course it does. After international break, maybe a little bit as well. But I think, personally, I've been to loads of games at Anfield, of course, but I think the expectation of what's going on in the game and sort of what's happening in front of you does sort of play into the atmosphere massively so. And if there ever is a sense of jeopardy, regardless of the opposition at Anfield, I feel like we do go again and we can rouse the players. I remember being at a West Ham game. I think Pablo four nails give them the lead and all of a sudden Anfield was not quite Barcelona levels in terms of that night but it wasn't too far behind so the opposition and who we're playing against is a factor but if Liverpool are in jeopardy and Liverpool might drop points we go again Anfield yeah. can like they rouse itself up until that point but for me it frustrates the life out of me when Brentford clutching a team from thin air come and say where's your atmosphere it's like I'm not being funny lads but you're, you're Brentford you? yeah like literally like, with all due respect but don't get me wrong if you go 1-0 up yeah. then then you'll see you yeah. know what I mean but when it's 1-0 2-0 to Liverpool away just coasting and they're expecting this raucous Anfield's like come on what do you fo- think like, it is it is like football entitlements is that you're describing almost because I agree with this is I think we don't if there's a club that we feel that we we want to knock down a peg or we, we, we need to really fight it's like you made to the top of the mountain you like the, the aged heavy Heavyweight. If you know you, if you know you're gonna pummel on your opponent, you don't showboat it. You get it done and you get and you yeah. get off, don't you? But if someone lands lands a blow, oh fuck me, right? I'm sorry, this is where I
that I'm bringing out all my all 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 of what I've got. And so you're right. You've got your, your Brentford. I was Southampton's always my example of this, but Brentford, Southampton, Fulham's these bunch of teams who are. I don't. I, I wouldn't want to be like ah in your face and all this kind of yeah. give them loads of shit because it's the middle of the road football. Team, no, I know, yeah. and it's and again that's that's a, a it's a cockiness or an arrogance. I don't know, but that's that that's how it is. That's how it's always been for me when you when we've played those teams. But the difference is from my experience of going to Anfield. People talk about the atmosphere now. Those atmospheres are still miles better than they ever were anything I went to. In talking about like the yellows and the reds. I went back as the one that stands in my mind was Les Ferdinand being sent off a QPR against us. And I remember being at that game. I went back and looked at it. For a start, there were two reds in that game, which I'd forgotten the other one. 23,000 people were at Anfield for that game. It was a midweek game against QPR. 23, can you imagine half? It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. So this notion that somehow atmospheres were brilliant in the past and now they're not is nonsense it's it's absolute and total utter bollocks we for those games that we're talking about the ones that aren't we've got loads of expectation on them we never even used to fill off the ground let alone create an atmosphere you know i, I used to sit and sit with my dad in those seats up in, in the in the upper centenary and i would know all the opponents chants because you'd hear them all game long you know i find myself like humming along to them and not realizing i was doing it so yeah i, I know i've seen a lot of people talking about it but it's I'm not saying that was the best atmosphere I've ever been involved in, but the idea that there's any issue with the atmosphere at Anfield horseshit, like total horseshit. The atmosphere at Anfield might be different to everywhere else because it's very much like when the the players need us, that's when we show up. Oh, but if we yeah, yeah if that. we think they're fine and you know the the, the don't need us, then yep, we'll sing our tunes, but we won't go all out. Leicester is another one. It's it was they literally their fans gave us something to get angry at and they gave us something and when you give Anfield something and you piss them off we will wake up and we will and I don't care what you say James Madison turned around and said Anfield's the best atmosphere I've ever played and he's he's he pl- Everybody he's does. They always do. Everybody is, does. Exactly. The, there's no way these footballers who play all around the world in all different stadiums with all sets of fans, including international fans, where fans of Chelsea and fans of Arsenal all fa- all still go like enjoy England. Like, there's no way that these footballers are saying, "Oh my God, Anfield, it's an inc- like the atmosphere." You don't say it for no reason. Every great player. Of the last two, you know, twenty years, every yeah. great manager of the last twenty years all talk about it. And there's a lot of times in that period where Liverpool weren't great yeah. either, to be honest. But you're right. It's one of those I've seen someone saying, like, you know, there's fans of lot of lower league teams and they have consistently great atmospheres and they do, but they've got a smaller fan base and a more dedicated fan base in that. If Anfield was a was a quarter of the size and it was filled only with a, a, a still an outnumbering force of the absolute diehards, the diehard of the diehard of Liverpool fans, it would be that. And I agree there's a dilution the bigger the ground gets when it's best at its best it can be better than it's ever been because if you can get 63,000 people so 61,000 people when it's finally done singing from the same hinge sheet then that's going to be absolutely something else um but yeah, I just... I, the other I thing is, we're in that weird part of the season, aren't we? Obviously, the expectation, everything yeah. that you've spoken about there was, I think, absolutely spot on, to be honest. But we're, we're in that sort of crossover period with the team whereby... We haven't got a Bobby Firmino song that we can sing anymore. There's no Sadio Mane song. Yeah. You know, Jürgen's asked us to stop singing I Feel song, Fine yeah. until the, until after the game or the very end of the game. 
the Jota one's the only one that's sort of yeah. relevant yeah. at the moment that gets the ground going. And Ale, 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 I don't know about you, I've always felt a bit weird singing it and not on European nights. Yeah, yeah. Never used to at the beginning, but yeah. there was a turning point, I don't know when, when it became a European champ for me. Um, and, and so I think we're waiting for those that big sob slide chance or a moment from one of these players for us to be able to find this season's groove in terms yeah. of the songbook. That's right. The song, Liverpool have got a huge songbook of songs, but you're right. When they go back to the base level ones, which is Fields of Anfield Road and Poor Scouts and something, and the countless variations on chanting Liverpool, um, they're fine. They're all there. Everyone knows them, but they're not the ones. I mean, Fields of Anfield Road can be massive when it wants to be and obviously LA's got its got its place but you're dead right you know in our two or three years ago you could rattle through half the players on the team had, a, had one and they would all be to equal place we haven't even got Andy Robertson on the pitch you know what I mean like so like this, the, the one that he would have been like six or seventh down the pecking order for it I don't think this Trent Alexander-Arnold one's very good so that's not one that really catches catches fire Van Dyke's a centre half when, when their team does not and you're not singing your song about your cent your centre back, are you? And you're right. So this is our like the transition period out where Sober's Lie's gonna get one at some point. You know, Munes has got a chance, he'll get a chance at, he'll get a proper song at some point and then we'll have we'll have tons of the, um, I think that's a really good point. The thing is is also we're in that position where we don't like I think we're all hoping to be in a title race, yeah. but you can't say that you're in it. Yeah. And once it actually comes down to every single point matters because you know you're in that title race. At some point around Christmas, it'll switch if Liverpool are still up with Manchester yeah. City yeah. and it'll be, lads, we cannot, we've got to make this a cacophony of noise. You've got to make it a fortress. You can't, no matter if it's Brentford, if it's Fulham, if it's City, if it's United, every single game... The, the lads are going to need us and at nil-nil we're going to scream and we're going to sing and we're going to chant and it's all because there's something to lose there's something on the line there and right now I don't I think we're in the in the middle of are we in a title race could we be in a title yeah. race but actually you know what are we doing? We we don't have a DM and out now DM can this time like there's a lot of people who didn't expect Liverpool to be where they are right now. A lot of our fans don't expect didn't expect us to be in a title race. And once we finally understand out where everyone is closer to Christmas, that's when you'll realise if Anfield has a sniff that we might have a chance at a title, oh my god, move out the way because you don't want to be in, a, the, in the in the stadium. It's the building blocks of the season, isn't it? Absolute building blocks. Um Right, shout uh, Come and join us for more chat. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, the Bias Football Podcast pretty much about 10 minutes after this one finishes over on redmenplus.com, uh, which promises to be very good fun indeed. There is a code. Is the code biased? Yes. Yes. How do you spell that? B-I-A-S-E-D B-I-A-S-E-D uh, to get half price uh, subscription for two months head over there choose a captain uh, monthly subscription and get it half price for two months using the code BIAS uh, we're going to be looking at next week's round of fixtures the 10 game threshold and making predictions for what the league's going to look like uh, we're going to be looking at the Chelsea Arsenal game uh, and just some of the hilariousness that happened around that Rotating your goalkeepers, Mikel Arteta. Good work. Um, <laughs> and a few other bits and pieces as well. So do come and join us on the Bias Football Podcast. Promises to be a good laugh. And we'll see you over on redmenplus.com. Have a boss Monday. Ta-da.